All right, welcome to Casual Nonsense. I'm your host, Mark. Uh, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to give me a listen today. If you like anything you hear in the show, you know, be sure to share that with, uh, you know, at least one friend. So joining me today uh, on today's show is Anna. And Anna is a clinical mental health counselor. So we get into what that is exactly and make sure that I'm saying it correctly. And also we get into a little of how and why she got started in this field to begin with and why it means so much to her. All right, well, let's get to it. All right, well, here we are. uh, Another episode of Casual Nonsense. Today, I have Anna with me uh, in the studio. I love the in-studio recordings, by the way, Anna, so thank you for making the trek from across town. You're welcome. Happy to be here. I'm excited to chat. Yes, indeed. Uh, You doing okay today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Good, good, good. Busy day, but... Doing good now. Well, you know, you got to work for a living, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Anna, you are a friend of a previous guest on here. Uh, So shout out to Mr. Chris. uh, If you missed his episode, it was actually one of the better episodes. It was one of my personal, I can't, I don't know if I could say personal favorites, but I just did. But uh, (laughs) You can say that. There we go. Uh, Positive (laughs) Impact was his episode. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I'll I'll put the link in there. People can check it out. But um, an excellent episode. So, uh, so Chris so referred you. He said, he, he said, you know what? Anna's going to make a great guest. Brought you over. We met. And now here we are. Aww. So, Anna, you are um, a licensed, let me, let me know if I get this right. Okay. A licensed clinical medical health counselor. Close. Licensed <sighs> clinical mental health counselor. Uh, you you said what? medical health. You know what? I wrote Very down, close. I wrote down mental though. I just, I'm mental. Gotcha. I can't read. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I just say counselor or okay. therapist. So what's um, your like? What's your specialty in that in that field? Um, is mainly, that a, is I, that a loaded question? Is there more? No, okay. it's not a loaded question. It's it's valid. So I work a lot with um, cancer patients, families. Okay. So survivors of different types of cancer and their families or loved ones with support. I also work a lot with people with background in early childhood trauma, and then just. Yeah, mainly individuals, adults, not kids. Um, well, it sounds like the first two sounded more like like people maybe grieving. Yes. Is that is that accurate? Okay. Absolutely. So grief, a lot of grief work okay. um, based on, you know, a lot of personal work that I've done um, in my own therapy, counseling, and journey. So um, I don't really ask clients to do things that I haven't done myself. So I've been in and out of therapy my whole life. Little about me. I'm <laughs> I am a second generation therapist. I was gonna ask you how you got into it. So yeah. There you go. So um it's kinda in my blood. My father is a retired marriage and family therapist. My mother um, worked with children and was a teacher as well. And they met wow. actually at a therapy conference in Minnesota. My dad saw her from across the room and just had to go up and that was chat it. with her. Had to go yeah. see about a girl. That's, <laughs> That's right. They moved to the South, established um, my dad's private practice in Greenville, South Carolina. And then a few years later, my it, brother, sister, and I. Do your brother and sister, are they also in the same field? Uh, they are not. But then similar mm-hmm. helping fields. My brother um, is a teacher, tutor. Great okay. with kids. My sister is a full-time nanny, loves okay. children. Right. So similar to my mother, definitely. Very, very caring family. Very Absolutely. Giving back to 
kids yeah. and such. Yeah. We're lovers. Okay. We care. All right. Growing up and feeling that and being in that really open, loving, um, empathetic, connected household. And you try to portray that maybe to the people that you help. But maybe not – I don't know if you do that. I don't know how that relates to someone that's grieving. But that's what you know. Like you said, you can only help teach what you know and that's – The grieving piece comes in because there's more to the story, of course. Of course. There Um, always is. There always is. you got to peel back those layers like an onion. Absolutely. (laughs) We are all onions. So um, going along in life – when I was 12 years old, my mother was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, which uh, completely turned my life upside down and the whole family. She passed away from stage four about a year later, a few weeks before I turned 13. So my way of working through it at the time as a 13-year-old was to not really um, be with it. So to did, try you, to, did you like rebel? A little bit? Did you have a rebellious period? So, not me. (laughs) I was not the rebellious one. My brother was. I dealt with it by just having fun, honestly. Being a 13-year-old, trying to be as normal as I possibly could be. I didn't think you could use that word in your line of business. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say normal, you can't say crazy, right? This is is a 13-year-old Anna. (laughs) So. The 13-year-old Anna. I'm just trying to establish boundaries. Oh, Let me write this down. Okay. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really use that because it's all, it's all open. It's all valid. It's okay. all okay. I was just trying to fit in and um, have fun. Not ever having experienced Like loss. understanding what happened to her. Like understanding that she had died and it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, a woman as amazing and beautiful as my mother who gave so much and loved everyone, you know, why would this happen? So a lot of anger, a lot of repressed anger, a lot of sadness. I grew up in a very spiritual family. Like religion? Religious, yep, Protestant Christian. Yeah, didn't really want to interact with God at that time. Was pretty angry. I'll bet. With God, the universe. And so it wasn't until many, many years later that I'm able to kind of sit through it, talk through it. I reassessed my life and um, realized that my undergrad is in the arts. So I have a background in art history and okay. studio art photography because I was good at it. You still do that now? I do it some. Okay. I'm engaging more and more in the arts. My mind kept going back to my roots, going back to my parents and how they cared, they sat with, they were with people. So were you ever able to sit, not, I shouldn't say sit in, but maybe spy on, like when, you're, when your dad had his own practice, mm-hmm. like did you like observe him a little bit to know? Spy on his confidential sessions? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. deny it later, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering, like, as besides like the trauma you just explained to us, like, mm-hmm. what, like something's going to lead you to that, you know what yep. I mean? Because like you got to have, I don't know if maybe, maybe that's something you learn in school. I don't, I wouldn't know anything about it. Right, mm-hmm. but do they have these mock sessions where it's one some point you're like, man, I want to be mm-hmm. in that chair helping that grieving person. I mm-hmm. want to be able to say the right things, do the right things, get right. them on the right path. Like something's gonna get you there. My dad is always. I've always been a daddy's girl. Okay, and I've really looked up to my dad, and he's been like a hero of mine. I, I always wanted to be like that. You know, I have a piece of him, also a piece of my huge piece of my mom and her. Yeah. Now just her being proud of me 
and that kind of pivot to this sadness. It's like a motivation. It's not a source of sadness, even though it's still sort of there. It's always there. Well, you got to have, I don't want to call it like a, like a chip on your shoulder, mm. but to have something there that like never goes away, mm-hmm. that kind of has that, that drive or that motivation, whatever, whatever the word might be for that. But right. maybe that's something that losing your mom did. You know, you don't want to forget. You don't want to Mm-mm. forget how you felt or what, you know what I mean? Like you just have that, th- you know, you just have that always behind mm-hmm. you as a reminder. For me, it was always feeling like I was different because I didn't have a mom because everybody else I knew did. I guess that, that drive, knowing I was a little bit different and then getting older, thinking back to my mom's death and how she died it was such like a graceful, beautiful passing. Now she was angry. She was pissed. I bet. I remember hearing stories from my dad that she would go out, take a plastic baseball bat, and like beat a tree. I didn't know that. I didn't see it at the time. But what I saw was this woman with this incredible honesty with her sadness, seeing her spirit so gracefully accept what was coming and that she couldn't fight she was incredible and so I didn't know what I was seeing at the time but it wasn't until I got a little older and witnessed other people in life and hey you know that was really real <laughs> what mm. what I saw in my mom and what I saw in my dad and um if I can have a little bit of that I think this is worth embarking in so what what really got me thinking about you said like what kind of pushed me to want to do it to jump into being a therapist or we go to grad school. A close family member of mine was in a physically abusive relationship with a partner and it rocked me because I'd never experienced that before. So it was like the secondhand trauma of someone that I knew and loved. Thank God she got through that, came out on the other side alive because a lot of women don't. Right. That sparked this like anger within me. Like, I don't understand this. This makes me mad. This happened to someone I love. And so I started volunteering at a domestic violence shelter, Interact, in Raleigh on Oberlin Road. I went to their training. It was all volunteer. I had this conversation with a lady that was so timid and scared at first. And then she just, we were making like a safety plan and I got her to open up and share. And by the end, her voice had changed. Yeah, I knew I'm like, okay, that's, that's what you want. To this do. is what I would yeah, like yeah. to do. Now that's awesome. This is hope. And this is, this is a gift that I can give. We all have gifts. It's just finding what they are. It took me a while. I was in my thirties when I went before I was 30, my faith was growing, looked at a bunch of different schools in North Carolina, but I landed on Campbell university in Lillington, a little shout out to them. So I, I went to Campbell Divinity School. I have a master's in divinity with emphasis in counseling and chaplaincy from Campbell. And then I have a a master's in mental health counseling for them or from them. That's going to be like, I don't want to say the most thankless job because I'm sure people thank you all the time. Mm. But when you look at it from from my outside view, Mm -hmm. right? Someone's in there and maybe a loved one or themselves have cancer or whatever that's uncurable or whatever. So Mm -hmm. like it's... The end of this is inevitable. There's nothing you can say or do that's going to change that. No. It's, I think, getting people to that place. Like, your mom looked like she was naturally there. That's just, she had that in her, right? Mm-hmm. But 
not everyone is like that. Like, yep. I don't know that I'll be like that. I'll be honest. If that happens to me, like that's something where yeah. I hope that I would be, but I'm being anger, angry, bitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh man. You know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of people, you just, you, like you said, like, like why has it happened to me? What's going yeah. on? Right. To, to get in there and talk to those people and to figure out a way to just, you know, cause who are you? Like you're essentially a stranger to them. Absolutely. And you have to, like you said, you have to, they have to want to listen to you. You know what I mean? So they have to trust you and listen to you because they all emotional and their anger and whatever the feelings they have. And then in you come, let's talk about a few things here. And not mm-hmm. everyone wants to talk, I'm, I imagine. But again, I'm going to get back to you. I think that's kind of a thankless job. Mm-hmm. You know, go like from the outside. That's how it looks to me. Right. Um, but but yet you do it. I have not had a cancer diagnosis myself. So I don't know how I would respond either. Yes, I've I've seen it. But until... It's you and you feel it in your body and you're faced with your mortality. I don't know how I respond either. Right. I hope that I would be like my mother. I'll never forget one of my brilliant chaplain supervisors saying, um, you have to be become comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that plays through my head all the time. The more and more I can be comfortable in all of my uncomfort the more I can show up and be present with people. Yeah. It's the only way I know how to do it. Well, you're trained you're trained in that. Like I said, the yeah. more, the more experience you have being in those situations, the, I don't want to say the easier it becomes. It's easy for me to say that, but the more comfortable you become in those, in those roles. So doesn't mean I don't get moved. I'll bet. Have I cried with others who were losing and who are crying? Absolutely. I've mourned with those who are mourning. Yeah. And I've shed tears with others that were going through it because right. I tap into my own. Oh, so that sure just pain. shows that you're invested emotionally into the situation. Oh, yeah. Think that that says something because that's honestly that's all these that's all people want. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. I mean, well, that's not all they want, but that's that's all you can give them. Absolutely. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, that's a tough job. I don't know. I couldn't do that. Like it take it does take a certain person to do it. You know, I think it's a needed profession. I've talked before in the show about you know, different mental health and different things that happen. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot over, you know, just, I think just being a better human, like, and you see mm-hmm. what people do. Cause you know, I'll watch a lot of movies and you see like, Oh, there's like, how real is these situations and mm-hmm. movies is entertaining. But then you put yourself in those situations where if something happens to you, maybe like something in your family or, or my family, like some sort of trauma happens yep. and you, you ask yourself like, Hey, what would you do in these situations? And like we said, you really don't know until it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know how you'll act. Does it, no. You know, kind of a fight or flight situation. So You don't know no. how you're going to respond until you're in it. It's true. You can't predict it. Because so, anytime you do, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Like you like to think and then you're like, well, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So have you, is that pretty much all you've ever done? Like you don't do, mm-hmm. you're not just a, you know, I mean, you're not a psychiatrist, right? So you're not just, you don't just have a couch at your house and, hey, tell me about your mother and your feeling, you know, that's not. That's not you. That's not your level of... No, no. Psychiatry, no. No um, medication and this kind of thing. Um, Diagnosis, uh, it's a part of my work. I don't like it. It's more for insurance companies. Yeah. I don't want people to focus on that or internalize that there's something wrong with them or they're, like we said before, not normal. Mm. Going back to that. Yeah. (laughs) That was my way of thinking as a teenager, but... There, I mean, I find there's really no such thing as normal. <laughs> there's unique, and we all have, we're at different 
parts in our journey. You know, there's nothing bad, wrong. I think everyone is, you know, sort of perfect how they are. It's just accepting these different parts of you and healing, working with, and being patient and compassionate and kind to yourself. Can't tell you how many people, me included, we're hard on ourselves. We just need that compassion, that person to just comfort us and even in different moments comfort that inner child within us that... well not everybody wants to talk about their feelings at some point that you you kind of break down a little bit and there's a there's an outer shell or maybe a couple outer shells that you have mm-hmm. to get through and you know you're like a comfort animal that <laughs> you know you get in there and, <laughs> well a lot of people know. i mean a lot of people and my clients included and uh, they don't reach out to see a therapist or a counselor until something really heavy happens, some trauma, some huge loss or um, pain. They've never spoken about their feelings ever before or been able to sit with it or share. It takes tremendous courage to reach out. Hey, everyone. Mark here. And I wanted to tell you about a new podcast that I'm hosting. It's called The Double Take, co-hosted by Terrence Jordan. Uh, He and I together, we talk about our favorite rewatchable movies, We try our best to bring our unique insight and we do as much deep dive and behind the scene moments that you didn't even know existed. So if you like movies, give us a listen. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, but to make it easy, you can find the links in the show notes for this episode. So remember the double take, check us out. And now back to the show. Tremendous. Well, I think that if every, every single person could probably sit down with a psychiatrist and you could, I don't want to say you could find something wrong with them. That's not about finding what's wrong, right? I've never spoken with anybody. I think I'm I'm doing all right. I'm feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I think that you talk to someone and you, you know, we talked about being onions. Everybody's an onion. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you could be a perfect person and you're going to find something, whether it's anxiety or stress or something. That's where sometimes I have a problem with, I don't want to say psychology because that's not what we're really talking about here, right? But like, I'm I'm indifferent about it. Because on one hand, yeah, if there's something that you could use some help with and if that's the method to get it, then then yeah, that that option's out there. The other hand is like what if there's like not enough wrong with you per se Mm -hmm. that requires that, but then you're going to go see someone and they're going to find problems with you Mm -hmm. that now suddenly you're you're paying for that person and you're paying for medication of something that they're, you know, Mm -hmm. real or not real. You know, I don't know. It's a it's 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 hard because. You're, it's like if it's not broke, mm-hmm. why fix it? You I sense, I, mean? I sense that struggle, <laughs> and this is so my personal call and my personal approach. And everybody is everybody approaches it. Every therapist is a different flavor. Like churches, there's so many yeah, different types and denominations. It, within me and my being, I think therapy is. Um, for everyone and I don't think it's about I don't think it should be focused on problems and wrong I think life is tough we all come into a hurting world um, that's not perfect and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of shit that doesn't make sense gray area and I don't pretend to know the answers I don't think there is an answer so for me it's simply having a confidant is how I approach therapy. And it's a conversation. It's a conversation about my client. It's focused around 
what's true and alive and active for them. I don't see people as flawed um, because they come and reach out to a therapist. I see it as life is hard and it's it's so helpful, especially these days to have someone to confide in and that you can be your true self, authentic self and not have to censor yourself or excuse anything, just feel whatever you have. So for me, I don't see it as, I guess, the medical model is what most people say. Something's wrong, so go in and fix it. I think life is a journey and it's just a progress. It's good to have someone there. And what I don't want and what I talk to all my clients about is that I don't want anyone to feel alone in what they're going through. I don't want anyone to feel the pain and to hide it. I don't want people to be alone in it. And if I can just be beside them while they're going through it, that's what I want to do. you can't be beside everybody. True. You know what I mean? And that's, True. That's where some of that comes into play. And it's it's kind of like if you ask somebody, like, oh, did you did you go to the gym today? Or did you go to the gym this week? Oh, no, mm-hmm. I didn't have any time. Like, you probably had time. You just mm-hmm. chose to spend it doing something different. That's not what you wanted to do. Oh, that's, I don't go to the gym. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You know? If someone, hey, did you go speak to someone today? Did you do this today? Yeah. You know, whatever. Like, like, and pick an excuse. Oh, they weren't available. I didn't have time. I can't yeah. afford it. You know what I mean? And I think that's where some problems could be. Because you're right. If You kind of said it, right? You're, like, not everybody's broken, mm-hmm. right? But if you have an opportunity to have those, like a, like a confidant, like, I get that. Yeah. For me, I'm hoping that person is, say, my wife. Absolutely. Because now it's like, hey, let me tell you what's going on. Let me figure this out. Because mm-hmm. that's the one person that I'm going to trust more than anybody. Absolutely. Right? But not, not everybody has that relationship, right? So if you don't have someone you can talk to, for some reason I keep thinking about like the movie Analyze That, you know, Analyze mm. This, one of the one, one and two, right? With, you know, when he's goes, he's a, he's a yeah. mob guy, goes to see somebody, right? You know, but that's the, that's kind of that, that old school mentality. Like, oh, you're talking to somebody? Well, then you're weak. Yep. Like you, you shouldn't have to do that. You should, you know, kind of suck it up and let it, let oh, it I've heard this before. You know, <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's kind of that old school mentality of yeah. things and, you know, we're in a different society now, and I don't know that it's fully accepted in that way. It's getting I think there. it's getting – you're right. It's yeah. getting better, but it's – there's still a long way to go. That's my – I want to share this with everybody. So what are some signs that someone could know that maybe it's time for them to talk to somebody? A lot of people hide things. If you feel this, like, gut like hide feeling. Feelings or hide I'm feelings. Hide keys. Like, what are we <laughs> – You're right. Hide feelings. Hide um, – What's really going on with them hides struggling and they'll start to push people away. But isolating, that's a huge one. If you find yourself doing that and not reaching out. Well, I think if someone's in emotional pain, I think, I mean, they're going to know that. You know, you like to think maybe they just want to try to deal with it in their own. So I think the tricky ones are going to be maybe you don't have a big traumatizing event. You just slowly things start to not work out. You know what I mean? And I don't have a string of events off the top of my head that I could spit out. I wish I did. That would have been a a cool insert right there. Like, you know, (laughs) like, Oh, I lost my job and this person doesn't talk to me, you know, but you know, whatever the number of stringer events and like each one individually is probably okay. It's just part of life. But when you you stick four or five things together, you know, it's like, Hmm, getting in a different headspace, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, like what you said, your wife is your confidant, and then some people don't have that. My, What I want is for me to not be the only confidant in people's lives. I want them to that to grow and them to be pulled out into their real life because yeah. I'm not with people um, 
all day long, every not twenty four seven on call. No, I'm not okay. a on call. You know, <laughs> run over to your house. Yeah, you know? but some um, cupcakes and you know, <laughs> sure, rub your feet while we talk about it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> so, what are some things that you do to like keep yourself at? I'll say an even keel, mm-hmm. right? So somewhere between normal and crazy. You know, I mean, do you do you read books? You watch movies? You maybe probably listen to some great podcasts. So that's probably what I'm guessing. Absolutely. Right? But what is this? Do you meditate? Do you do yoga maybe? Mm -hmm. I do. um, So like I said, I see my own personal therapist either weekly or every other week. Um, I do a lot of grounding exercises for me. And it's different for everybody. I close my eyes and sort of like hold myself and just focus on what I feel in my body. Sensations, cold or hot or tension or feeling kind of icky somewhere and just like yoga is that what a little bit it's just being present to whatever is going on in your body okay because we hold tension or you know nervousness anxiousness somewhere in our body so these are some things that like do you recommend some things like this when you talk to people to say hey what do you absolutely realize what what they're into a little bit yep things for self-love um and it's different for everybody I do kind of presence exercises. One of mine is my cat. So I brush him all the time. And I'm just, he loves it. But just focusing on his purring, his breath, the way that he his fur feels and the way he's responding and moving, um, it's just taking little bits of a time and just being present to what is and what I tell clients is um, any activity where you can lose time doing is extremely relaxing and relieving. So losing time, forget what you're doing. For me, I also, I mean, I like to paint or create or crochet. So a lady in me. Yes. And so with my cat, losing time in an activity that's okay. truly relaxing then you're not thinking about anything else you just no. say you know it's like oh you know okay. exactly so where can um like what what's next for you where can people find you how does like what what's going on there okay so i'm rebranding relaunching um my own private practice okay. it's called grounded in compassion and so they can go to grounded and and I'll put those links in the in the show description here as well. So excellent. Click below; they can figure out how to get in touch with you. And um, mm-hmm. I have to assume, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is there they can reach out maybe by email through the site and just kind of like if they're a little timid on just kind of diving yes. in first, they can reach in and absolutely and you know. find out more about me. Read my bio. Read um, everything about my practice. It's online counseling. I think the pandemic has completely changed um, the way. The way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, my personal therapist is in Toronto. So I don't know that I'll ever meet her in person. Right. But our, my trust, and it's all about the trust and connection um, between you and the person you're talking to. And Good, uh, good. Well, like I said, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes below. Any other thing that maybe we missed that we wanted to get out today that we didn't quite get to i know we got pretty deep into with your mom and how that started and i think that's cool because that gives you know that's your that's your origin story if you will you know what i mean because that's that's an event that happens that kind of defined where you 
went to in life from there. Like mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, with your, their parents were into the helpful piece, but you know, this was the, the shove that if mm-hmm. you will, that kind of got you where you needed to be. And like I said, I mean, having that in your corner, like, yeah. I think that always gives you something to aspire for. It's like, hey, you mm-hmm. know what? I want to be as good as my mom was or as close to that as I could be. You know, and I think that's Absolutely. pretty cool. You know? I want to make her proud. Yeah. I'm, so much of what I do is for her and good. my dad. One thing I didn't mention was the year-long program that I've been involved with called Compassionate Inquiry. Okay. Since February, I've been involved in a year-long intensive really focusing on early childhood trauma, how trauma lives in the body and stays with us. And it's not what happens to you, but how it lives within you. All the feelings and perceptions that go along with that. So it's been, for me, I see a CI therapist and it's definitely changed the way that I hold myself and ground myself and connect with that. Is this part of like, well, this... You have more information on this as well on absolutely on the website. So on the website, yeah. it's been pretty, pretty life changing for me personally, as well as my work with clients. So I wanted to share that as well. Yeah, absolutely. that's more of a more a recent thing that I started doing in February. Okay, came upon. Well, anyone can check that out and see. I think that it helps paint a picture of like who you are, where you're coming from, because you know there's there's options out there. You know what I mean? So if you're looking for somebody or whatever. There's so many therapists out there on psychology today. Um, It's how people find. And it's really about who you connect with, who you trust, who you build that relationship with. and Or referral in this case. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and even I I tell people if, if I'm not connecting with you, share that with me. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and I get that. But I want people to find the support that they need for them so yeah anna thank you so much for uh for hanging out today we'll put all your information down in the in the show notes below people where people can find you find out more about what you do and some of the things that you know we talked about i don't know if you've shared that story before but if not well we got the first so we'll take it it's not the first then we'll just pretend it is (laughs) well thanks for the chat mark and um i appreciate your curiosity and your openness and the trust that you that i hear and i feel within your podcast when I listen to them. This is a safe space. Feel it it is a safe space. Safe space here, yeah. I feel it. Good. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening and uh, stay casual. Stay casual.